Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force will be with you, always. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Galactic Republic, Confederacy of Independent Systems, and various mercenary factions vie for control of the galaxy in a seemingly never-ending conflict known as the Clone Wars. Caught in the middle of this epic struggle, the Jedi Knights strive to maintain order and civility in a deadly game that is being manipulated by the Dark Lords of the Sith. From the war-torn front lines, Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their dedicated team of analysts emerge as voices of truth and stability in these dark and deceptive times. Welcome to the 109th episode of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. For the episode Bound for Rescue, I am your host, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, the Chewy to my Han Solo, uh, the crankster, <laughs> Crinky. Hey, man, I tell you what, Mike, it's good to have you back. You know, we're two days away from Thanksgiving here in the States, States and I don't know if you could smell that. We got some baked goods going on in the crankster yeah. household here. Uh, I don't know if that's coming up to Canada there. You might it's get a whiff of that pretty soon. <laughs> Skype Skype hasn't quite mastered that yet, so uh, so no, yeah. not, not just yet, but oh, I'm man. sure it smells delicious. No, it is. It is. It's going to be a good time, of course. Uh, like I said, Thanksgiving here in the States, but it's good to have you back, like I said. Um, you know, like I said in the last episode, man, I took it back to the old days <laughs> of Frontlines, man. Yes. It was just a single coast, but uh, you're back. We're back. Yeah. And we're ready to talk some more Clone Wars again. So, um, shoot, I guess we're ready to jump right in. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Welcome. I have been expecting you. This is just the beginning. This is where the fun begins. Join us or die. Our meeting was not a coincidence. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you what, Mike. It's a, this is the time of... Uh, I don't know. Not spoilers. One my, I'm all thinking about spoilers right now. Rumors, man. It's rumors going on. I'm tell you yeah. what, and I got to give your take on a couple things since I missed you last week. Uh, but here's the first thing: uh, Star Wars Episode Seven, Lucasfilm to produce two or three films a year. What? Are you serious? So is this actually came out of Entertainment Weekly? It's going to be coming out really soon. Um, they're talking about. Kennedy wants to do two or three films a year. Now, maybe I'm reading this wrong. Maybe they're just saying, um, I, I guess it doesn't necessarily say Star Wars movie, but yeah. that's kind of what you, you kind of just your mind thinks of that. Yeah. But that's kind of crazy. That's like over, over, uh, overdoing it a little bit, don't you think? I don't know. What's your take so, on that? So I think there's a missing piece to this puzzle. Lucasfilm yeah. encomp- uh, encompasses a lot of bodies um and uh and you've got 
you've got obviously Lucasfilm, Lucasfilm that produces the Star Wars films. I uh, but then you've also got Lucas Animation, which <clears throat> with all of the skill that they've developed over the last seven years, I I, I think that they're in a position where they can start to look at stuff like uh, like producing their own animated features mm-hmm. on a regular basis. So via Pixar uh, or something. Yeah, yeah, and DreamWorks and that sort of thing. Like you have to you have to kind of look at it that way. Like DreamWorks was uh, started through uh, through Amblin, which is uh, uh, Steven Spielberg, right? So mm-hmm. uh, DreamWorks now is its own autonomous body that goes and does its own thing. Pixar was started at Lucasfilm and is now its own thing. And LucasArts Animation uh, doing doing the Clone Wars and uh, I mean I I don't know that we've necessarily gotten confirmation as to whether or not Lucasfilm Animation or Lucas Animation is doing detours, but I, I'm working under the assumption that they are the ones doing detours. So I mm-hmm. uh, you know like they, they're building up a very uh, a very large staple uh, uh, and 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 skill uh, skill base, right? Like so, so they've got uh, they've got a lot of people at Lucas Animation. They could start looking at doing stuff like, uh, you know, if they wanted to do a, an animated Indiana Jones, or if they wanted to do an animated, I don't know, Willow, or or uh, or you know like here's this is the thing that people are not counting on right now a new ip right like right i everybody's so focused on the star wars thing and then there's indiana jones kind of on the periphery of that but what nobody is is looking at is uh what what about new ip what about new properties Mm -hmm. that that we don't know about that that possibly they're developing behind the scenes what about uh what about Disney stuff making a move over there. I uh, I mean I'm reading in this in this snippet that you've got here. I uh, I that Disney had, had tried th- their live action stuff with Tron Legacy. They also tried with uh, with John Carter. Mm-hmm. And uh, who's to say that what they built with those uh, wouldn't wouldn't possibly be better suited under Kathleen Kennedy's watch than under somebody else's. Uh, Disney does a few things incredibly well. I their return to form lately with Disney feature animation, I which uh, which is the uh, the their actual animation branch, not the Pixar stuff, but their own stuff. So I mean they started with uh, Princess and the Frog, and then they did the Winnie the Pooh animated, which were both traditionally animated. <clears throat> but then they made the switch to computer animation with Tangled. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like they'd done computer animation animated stuff before, but it never quite hit. But at the same time that they made the switch to computer animation from traditional animation, they uh, they also switched back to the to the fairy tale format for the first time with the computer animation with Tangled, and it went over super well. And then uh, and then we've got Wreck It Ralph from from uh, this year. That's mm. that's an awesome movie that if you haven't seen you should you should go out and see uh because it is just it's excellent um and uh, and they've got another one coming soon with uh with frozen uh which is based on the snow queen so 
Um, like they, Disney does its own thing. Like they have their their thing going. Their animation departments, their their film animation and their TV animation departments are running on all cylinders, just like pumping out awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, but their live action arm is a little bit lackluster. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Lucasfilm, I mean, whether uh, whatever you feel about the prequels, uh, it really doesn't make a difference because they're some of the highest grossing films of all time. Right. Uh, episode one is, I think, it's it's in there. It's in the top spot, isn't it? Right now, maybe. Yeah. Well, Avengers is is the top, right. but uh, but with the 3D release of Episode One, it put it back in like it it put yeah. it back above Avatar, didn't it? I know. Possibly, I, I I can't remember. I know that they shuff, yeah. it shuffled stuff back up, right? Yeah, like yeah. it it moved it back up. So whether you think they're terrible movies or whether you think that they're just as good as the original trilogy is not really the question here. It's how Lucasfilm manages that stuff. And in my opinion, Lucasfilm is managing their films a lot better than than Disney has in recent years. Particularly like let's let's cite John Carter as as a as an example. John Carter is an awesome awesome movie that was really mishandled by Disney. And right. uh, and if you took something like that a Disney production like that, you put it under Lucasfilm, then uh, I think you'd you'd be in a lot stronger position. Uh, particularly if they're going to build a studio out at Skywalker Ranch, which is what it sounds like they're going to do. And when we hear Kathleen Kennedy saying stuff like this, like they want to pr- like Lucasfilm wants to produce two or three films a year, mm-hmm. then I. That's that's what I'm hearing. Is they're they're going to they're going to build themselves a nice big studio out in Marin County. They're going to build an industry off of Disney and Lucasfilm uh, franchises. Uh, so obviously Star Wars is in there. We know that Star Wars is going to be every couple years, starting in 2015, and they're just going to keep producing movies. I don't think this means. Star two or three Star Wars movies right. every year. I think this means between uh, live action and animation that there will be two or three films coming out of Lucasfilm every year. Two or three films that she will be producing. So uh, to me, that sounds like you know, 2015 we'll have Star Wars Episode Seven. Maybe later that year we could have something animated coming out of out of there that we haven't heard about yet. I mm-hmm. uh, more than likely I would think that they'll do Star Wars and then they'll get up and running. 2016 we could see, who knows? We could see the next Tron coming out via uh, Lucasfilm and Disney as as a joint venture. Uh, so. Uh, you know, like there, there's a lot of possibilities. There, there's a lot open to interpretation right now until they come out and say, "This is what we mean by this." So, yeah, no, I know. I think it's the fact that for me, it was I read it, and then your first instinct is to say, "What the heck? How are they going to do two or three? And you, you just want you just think yeah. automatically think Star Wars, but yeah, yeah, Lucasfilm is and Kennedy and all that. They got tons of properties. I mean, it, even yeah. in the story, it talks about Tron, and you know, we're, I'm sure we're going to get another Tron. 
And uh, yeah, well, like you said, all these new stuff, John Carter, stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, at first you're like, whoa, whoa, this is kind of over. This is a little bit too much. But then I, t- I asked somebody else this a while back. I said, you know, what do you think about more Star Wars and, and beyond, you know, beyond 789? They're talking about doing more. And then they, and he, mm-hmm. he, uh, he told me, he goes, you know what? How many Bond films are there? Yeah. Over twenty something, and it's yeah. show. It's right now. It's like as big as it can get right now. I guess Skyfall is just getting great ratings. So there's there's there it is right there. You know. It's, well, look, look at how many Star Trek movies there or Star are, Trek. Right? Yeah, like there, there's there's proof out there that there are long standing franchises, and uh, and and that you can do this, and um, and things can undergo changes. Right. I mean. Uh, we have seen that with Star Wars already. People are acting like this is all exciting and new, but uh, you and I and our listeners know that The Clone Wars has been an excellent TV show mm-hmm. in the Star Wars tradition for the last five seasons. They've been working on it for over seven years, and uh, and it it is every bit as Star Wars as the prequels, and sometimes it even matches the original trilogy. But more importantly, it's its own thing along with being more Star Wars. It has its own identity, and that is proof positive right there that 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 you can make more Star Wars, and it doesn't have to be Episode 4, 5, and 6. It doesn't have to be Episode 1, 2, and 3. I hope that, the, that 7, 8, 9, that they have their own identity, that, that they exist in their own bubble that obviously connects with with one, two, three, four, five, six, but they they stand alone as their own trilogy, right? Because as much as one to six is a saga, one to three has a very specific feel, and four to six has a very specific feel, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay because all of like you like you're saying all of the Bond movies. All of the Connery ones have a very specific feel, and then you've got you you know Roger Moore and Timothy Dalton, and and uh, those have their own feels as well. And then you get to the Pierce Brosnan era, which you've got what uh, he did he did what three or four, I think he did, I think he did three, I uh, Bond movies in there, and they have their own identity mm-hmm. while still being James Bond movies. And then what happens? You get Daniel Craig in there. And again, it has its own identity. Uh, even though, in in some instances, I mean, you look at at, at uh, the switch from uh, the Pierce Brosnan Goldeneye era to the Casino Royale era that we're in right now with Bond, mm-hmm. M is the same M in both, yeah. right? <laughs> right? So you can have pieces of continuity that come in and out that are in flux, right? I I, I think that people really need to take they're it's a it's a chip like it's just this chip on our shoulders that Star Wars fans have that for some reason we think that everything that we read uh, that we play in video games that we see on TV shows that we we uh, see in the movies <clears throat> that for some reason it all has to mesh together I don't know why it it's there with Star Wars I think probably because of the the dark times and because there was such a long period where there was three movies and then there was nothing Mm -hmm. and all we had was the eu right um 
But you don't see that with with Marvel fans. You don't see that with DC fans. You don't see that with James Bond. You don't see that with Star Trek. Oh, you see it a little bit with Star Trek. But these things are allowed to be their own things, right? Iron Man is not necessarily a word-for-word adaptation of an Iron Man comic book, right? But it is Iron Man. It has the spirit of Iron Man. And some would say it, it, it propelled that character forward mm-hmm. into a new era uh, of, of, of fresh creative storytelling. Uh, and, and that's what we need to be looking at. I, I was actually I, I just I commented on, on a, a post uh, on, on the Saga Continues on their Facebook page. Saw that, yeah. Which, uh, if you're not listening to the saga continues, that's ridiculous because it's coming through on the front lines feed. Uh, so you should be listening to it. Uh, and uh, it, but if you're not, head over and listen to it. Uh, you can listen to it off of CloneWarsPodcast.com, uh, and they have their own uh, they have their own URL as well. And you can I think I've got it set up. You can subscribe from uh, from the website. If not, I need to set that up, and that's a good reminder to myself. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I. Uh, I don't know if it was Kyle or Tim that posted earlier. I think it was either today or yesterday uh, about uh, with with the idea of more Star Wars movies after the the sequel trilogy. Right. Um. What do people want to see? What what stories from the expanded universe would people like to see? And uh, I went in there and I posted all caps: no adaptations. <laughs> the I e- saw that. Yeah. The EU is dead. Okay, like let's be really clear. This is no different than when DC does a reboot, like they did the New Fifty Two reboot, or they did the reboot, the uh, Infinite Crisis, uh, back in whenever, and and the crises before that, uh, and and Marvel has done the same thing uh, over the years. We're talking about sagas and stories that have have been in in the works for decades and at a certain point things get out of control and you need to just take a step back and say okay we're cutting it off right that that is its own universe uh it's its own continuity it doesn't destroy or obliterate the eu that we have but what we can say is that those things are no longer continuity as of now as of episode seven we have a new continuity starting okay so just Mm -hmm. start to accept it now so that when we get to episode seven and grand admiral thrawn has absolutely nothing to do with it in fact they go out of their way to point out that there's no aliens in the imperial uh hierarchy Mm -hmm. at some point you know like we won't lose our crap right like because because when yeah. when they when Clone Wars came out, obviously it was going to mess with continuity. Obviously there was stuff that already existed, and and they wove some of it in, and some of it they rewrote, and some of it they wrote this other side of it, and and now we have to reconcile these two aspects of, of a culture, right? So, um, rather than getting all. I don't it's bratty like really that's all it is when it comes down to it rather than appreciating the stories that people are telling and uh, enjoying what it is which is make believe it's mythology it's it's storytelling 
uh, rather than appreciating that stuff, we're so busy trying to reconcile this piece of continuity with this piece of continuity. And I think it, it's just, it's really time for Star Wars fans to let go, to just move on from that stuff. And it can definitely still exist and it can still have a place in your heart and you can read the essential chronology and you can go, I remember when that used to be the, the continuity. You know, I remember oh, yeah. back in the day, my continuity was this, but now the continuity is this. I mean, when I talk to, to my dad about Superman, he doesn't know anything about about Zod, and uh, and he doesn't know anything about Chris Kent. He doesn't know anything about Flame Wing, if, uh, Flame Bird, and Nightwing. He doesn't know anything mm-hmm. about New Krypton. That's all stuff that's in my continuity of Superman because of the era that I read Superman in. Likewise, that stuff's all been wiped out by the new 52 and the generation that comes up now is going to be reading Superman and they don't they won't have have read the same stories about Zod and and New Krypton and stuff like that that I have. Um and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. At the end of the day, it's all made up. Right? Like that's that's really what you just have to remember. We're not talking right. about actual history and new stories don't they don't somehow ruin the story that some that another artist has has worked hard on i uh, we've got a republic commando episode coming up later this season and and i'm excited for it like i am amped for some republic commando action um but i also really enjoyed the republic commando books i uh, and and those are one thing, and the the, the stories of Cal Scarada and and uh, the Delta Squad and Omega Squad, and all of those characters, they they definitely mean something to me, and 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 I, uh, you know, like that they'll always have a place in my continuity, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to enjoy whatever story they're gonna tell on the Clone Wars. And it doesn't mean that when we get a Republic Commando movie in ten years, that I'm not going to enjoy that, even if it if if it's the same characters but a completely different story, right? Like that. It's it, we just have to kind of let it be what it's going to be and just enjoy whatever we want to enjoy. I still love the Marvel Star Wars comics. They are as out of continuity as it gets. Jackson is one of my favorite Star Wars characters of all time. There is nothing cooler than a green space rabbit, right? Like, like that's. Oh, he said Jackson. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that that's that's all. Like, th- there's no argument there. Like, he he's a cool character. I would love to see a movie starring him. Who knows if we'll get to see that? Uh, and I'm not gonna lose any hey, sleep over it. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not gonna lose any sleep over over uh, not getting a Jackson story or 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 having some other piece of continuity wipe that character out uh because at the end of the day i got my star wars omnibus my star wars a long time ago uh omnibus and when i want to revisit that character i can i can just go back and revisit that character anytime i want um so i don't know that was that was quite the tangent (laughs) (laughs) well you know what you just said like uh you're talking about episode 789 and and the eu and and I've heard some things like, you know, it's not going to be the the Thrawn trilogy, and it's not. Gonna, and I was, I'm like, yeah, that's I don't want that because I already know no. what happens. Yeah, I want a I want a brand new story, 
And, Fresh. And maybe that's kind of what hampered the prequels a little bit because we knew mm-hmm. what was going on. But Absolutely. the sequels, you know, this is up in the air, and that's what's exciting about it even more than the prequels. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So you know, it's it it goes into what I say at the end of every season and the beginning of every season. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people ask me what I'm looking forward to the most, my answer for the last couple of years has been and forever now will be I am excited about the things I have absolutely no idea are coming. So Right, right. Yeah. You know, like going into the season we knew that we were going to get a youngling story. Did I know that I was going to connect with with the first part of that arc so much? No, because I had no idea it was coming. I knew that a story was coming. We know that a Republic Commando story is coming. Do we know what that story is yet? Not really. Am I looking forward to it? Absolutely. But what am I looking forward to the most? The things that I have no idea are going to happen. And so you're right. With the prequels, we knew where it was going. So our expectations were set in a certain direction. And I think that that definitely did hamper uh, the enjoyment of those stories because there was an end point. We had to get there. But I... But with these new ones, it's it is whatever it is. Like it's whatever we want it to be. So, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I I'm just excited for that. Yeah. No. There's and like I said, there's there's tons of news and I kind of it's kind of like I think that's gonna, what it's going to be like the next couple of years is like as long as this show is going on, we'll just take a a brief bit of, of news and kind of kind of just talk about it and discuss it a little bit because. Um, you know, I, I missed you last week and talking about a couple things that were, were coming out. You know, like they're talking about yeah. actors coming. You know, like you know Carrie Fisher and Billy Dee's wants to come back. Well, and and Harrison and Mark. Well, yeah, they want to come back because what else are they doing? You know, there's nothing else going on. And to be in a Star Wars sequel, well, you know, I mean, you talk about punching a ticket. Yeah. You know? Well, even even if you've got other stuff going on, I mean, one of the things that I think I, I posted uh, early on when this news broke about episode seven a couple weeks ago ewan mcgregor tweeted so excited for for more or something like i'm paraphrasing but he he, he essentially tweeted awesome they're making more star wars movies uh hopefully they can work in uh, an obi-wan kenobi hologram or something like yeah Ewan, ewan mcgregor who is a busy working actor who works as much as he wants to work uh, he is sitting there going, and even after everything that, that had happened with the prequels and the negativity and all that stuff, even after all of that, he's sitting there going, you want me to be Obi-Wan Kenobi again? I will be Obi-Wan Kenobi again. Work it into the script <laughs> and I'll do it. You know, Harrison Ford is saying, if the script is good, I'll do it. So, you know, it, it's it's not a, I don't think it's even a matter of, of uh, Mark and Carrie, uh, you know, not having anything else uh, uh, to do, I think they're both they're both perfectly busy, uh, and and that they work as, uh, as about as much as they want to. Uh, uh, but working as much as you want to and needing to be in Star Wars is different from it's a Star Wars movie. Do you want to be in it? <laughs> right? Like, uh, I I think right. like you're you're absolutely right. Like it is, it's it's awesome and it's a it's a it's a meal ticket for sure like it's something to hang your hat on yet again i uh, but at this like it really doesn't matter i think how many of us would drop everything for the opportunity to be in a star wars movie even if we were doing it for free right oh yeah. if if somebody called you up and said hey you can be in episode seven 
we can't pay you. We can't pay for you to come out here. We're filming it in Australia. Uh, but if you can get yourself here, you can be in Star Wars Episode Seven. You would move the moon and the sky in order to be there, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. Like, like, and and just because they're movie stars, just because they're, you know, just because he's Harrison Ford, it doesn't mean that when somebody comes knocking and says, "Yeah, here's your opportunity to be Han Solo again. Here's your opportunity to have the death scene that you wanted." Of course he's going to say yes, right? Like, uh, of course all these guys are going to say yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I I just kind of, it's funny to hear him talk like, and they're they're stoked about it. And I'm I'm just like, well, yeah, it's, like you said, anybody I think would would jump at the chance. I mean, this is make or break right here. I mean, this is the biggest thing. I'm going to say right now, this is going to be bigger than Avengers 2. And just because of the... You know, it's seven. We don't know what's going to happen. It's not the prequels. Uh, it's going into the OT era. I just think I think it's going to yeah. be huge. And uh, you know, I, I, like I said, it's going to make a run for its money as far as uh, uh, the Avengers too. That that year is going to be crazy with movies. So, oh, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to like each week. I think we'll just yeah hit something that's going on with a rumor yeah. or, or a, a new signing of somebody else. Like well, I talked about the writer last week, Mike. Yeah, we writer, talked about the writer the last week. Writer, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just got to get our get our take in there. Even though this is a Clone Wars podcast, we got to talk I, you a know, little bit about the. Wars yeah, some of, some of this stuff supersedes our mandate. <laughs> I, I, yeah. As 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 Anakin would say, I think it's implied in our mandate as Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, that we talk about all of this other stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, so with that, I guess we'll uh, head on over to the recap. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Remember, there can only be two. You are our secret weapons. There are some citizens of the Republic who believe the Jedi Order is not what it used to be. We can help you reclaim Mandalore. Oh my, look at the time. Well, my work is done. You are a clone and a soldier in the Republic Army. I sense a deep anger in you. Everything that you fought so hard for will be destroyed. Anakin! Sometimes heroes fall, despite their strength. Onderon is out. We are brothers. started off all right here we go with the recap for bound for rescue aboard the crucible after successfully harvesting their lightsaber crystals the younglings contact obi-wan kenobi currently on the negotiator for help their ship is damaged after hondo's attack their chaperone ahsoka tano has been captured and they are alone in deep space the younglings want to go rescue ahsoka and obi-wan commends their bravery but orders them to stay on the uh, crucible and not get involved. So we start, Mike, with the younglings stranded. They're alone. Yes. And even Hwang, he's not even, he's still, you know, C-3PO'd out, man. He's, he's in parts over there. Uh, I like how Petro 
he talks about, uh, he says, the General Kenobi. So, obviously, Obi-Wan, he's well-known. Uh, he's a, he's a obviously respected Jedi. And he's he, I, I, I kind of equate it to, like, a rock star type of thing, you know? Yeah. These, these kids look up to him. I mean, uh, this would be like a young singer uh, looking up to, uh, I don't know, Justin Bieber, I don't know, Michael Jackson, whatever. You know, kind of like that rock star type of type of vibe yeah. going on. So, uh, Obi-Wan, he compliments Petra on his bravery. But uh, reminds him that, you know, don't be a hero, you know, and don't jeopardize the safety of the younglings. So even Obi-Wan knows that these younglings uh, have tendencies to not think straight sometimes. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, especially Petro. He's, he's, he's the leader. He's made himself the leader uh, after this third episode that I've seen. I mean, you know, you see it yeah. right away, actually. But uh, he's the leader and he's kind of... Kind of talking to to Petro more than anybody else as as far as um, you know, keep it cool, play it safe, and we'll come get you. So, you know, I didn't get your thoughts last week, but coming into this week, um, what do you think so far on this third episode here? Yeah, well, just to just to give a quick uh, synopsis of my thoughts from last week, I I felt it, it was a little bit of a meandering episode, but I but they they took some cool risks with it. I and. I think for the first time on the Clone Wars, they really caught me by surprise. Like, really, really caught me by surprise with the ending. I uh, uh-huh. with with Ahsoka getting trapped on on Hondo's ship. Um, I, I we we know it's a four part story, or is it four parts? It's it, three parts. It's four parts, right? Four. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got one more week. So. Um, yeah, like knowing that that it was going to continue, I should have seen something coming, but I, uh, but man, I did not see that ending coming. So going from that into this, um, uh, but I, I mean, I I did love the introduction of of uh, oh, what's his name? It's 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 is it Huang or Huyang? Yeah, it's I, I don't know. It's I think it's one of those Han Han things. Uh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So uh, that character, I mean, uh, vo- voiced by David Tennant, uh, former Doctor Who. Uh, I guess maybe that's more like the president. Once you're Doctor Who, you're always Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, so uh, to, to the the Doctor, uh, uh, David Tennant, and uh, the the obvious nod to that character in in uh, in in Hu Yang's name. I thought it was really cool. Okay, um, I don't see. I don't know anything about Doctor Who, and last week I talked about this. I said, yeah. you know, Mike probably knows a little more than me. Um, so what's the what's the correlation there? Tell me about that. Just Doctor Who, and then he's Who Yang. Who Yang. Right? Okay, I got you. Yeah. So okay. it's just he's kind of got that. It sounds like it just sounds like Who, right? So they 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 did that on purpose. It's too much of a coincidence. Yeah. I, but I, um, I mean, I I found his character to be really cool uh, I know that there there was a few people who had a bit of an issue that uh, that a droid would be the keeper of this knowledge and that that uh, the Jedi are building their lightsabers on this ship and all that sort of thing um, I don't think that this is necessarily protocol I, I think that, that there's probably an aspect of this that's modified because it's the middle of the war they couldn't just keep them on Ilum. I would think that at, at, at a certain point Huyang was on Ilum and that they that the temple on Ilum was where all of this was done. Mm-hmm. Right? Because he says that he's been 
helping Jedi build their lightsabers for thousands. Thousand years, years yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, the idea that he has a repository of every lightsaber that's ever been made by the Jedi Order, I just think like that that in and of itself makes for a really cool character. And I know that there's some people who had issues with that, uh, but for me, that's part of. That's part of the suspension of disbelief when you're watching Star Wars, right? It's that like the the Jedi Order, which is an order of thousands of members, um, that they that they could have one guy essentially yeah. that everybody goes through. But uh, it, I I feel like it's very similar to Yoda, like in the way that Obi Wan refers to Yoda as the Jedi Master who instructed him. I uh, that you know there's rites of passage and and. And uh, the 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 gathering is one of those rites of passage, and building your lightsaber under the tutelage of Hu Yang, who's been there for every lightsaber that's ever been built, right? Like everybody's first lightsaber. Um, I just feel like that's a really cool piece of mythology. That's mm-hmm. a really cool uh, part of the legend. It's 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 no different than than you know uh, in other mythology when you start to talk about like well this like like uh he's kind of like Hephaestus right from Greek mythology who every every god has their weapons and that sort of thing and every great warrior in Greek mythology has weapons and they're all forged by this one god uh a demigod actually but uh this one guy who builds everybody's weapons and it's like well that's kind of silly wouldn't there be more than one person who can it's like no there's one grand master there's one person it's uh it also kind of reminded me of um of kill bill and like that old school kung fu movie sort of thing right. like that the the ancient chinese yeah, sort of maker. Uh, yeah. yeah this like the sword maker sort of that myth is that mm. hu yang like and i think that's why his name has a very asian influenced sound to it right it's because that's what that's who the character is he is he's the sword master right like he he he's there to teach you how to forge your own blade i no different than than uh the the i can't remember his name but the guy from kill bill is there to help her forge her blade right was it a Hanzo or Hanzo? Yeah, Hanzo. Atari Hanzo or something like that. Something like that, huh? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's it's that same, like, like Quentin Tarantino was taking that from um, uh, uh, an archetype that already existed. And Huyang is that archetype. He's that archetype in Star Wars. And mm. uh, and to me, that's really cool. And, and adding to that archetype by saying every Jedi has built their lightsaber under his tutelage... I, uh, that's that's awesome to me. Uh, the the only thing that didn't work for me is that he has a hologram of Obi Wan's lightsaber, but it's Obi Wan's episode three lightsaber, like it's his episode <laughs> yeah. episode four lightsaber, and that doesn't right. make sense to me. Uh, it, if if it were the lightsaber that he built while he was. Unless when when he lost his lightsaber, he had to go to Ilum. Like in between episode two and three, he had to get on a ship and go to Ilum and uh, and get another crystal. Yeah. Get another crystal and on his way back, Hu Yang's like, okay, let's see if you still have what it takes, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's a cool short story in there of how Anakin and and Hu Yang had or and Obi Wan had to go build new lightsabers and. Uh, 
got chastised by Hu Yang, right? Like, so, like this is the thing. The stuff that we don't know is coming. We had no idea this character was coming, but he has uh, irrevocably changed the Star Wars mythology to the point where, like, you're like, oh, well, now the this is another character that everybody has to go through that has connections to so many. Uh, if he's been around for a thousand years, then yeah, I'm, Yoda built his lightsaber under yeah. his tutelage. Okay, yeah. like let's let's just let that soak in for a second because I just came to that realization right now. <laughs> if Yoda is nine hundred years old when he dies, and Huyang thirty years or twenty something years before that says that he's been instructing Jedi in how to build their lightsabers for over a thousand years then Hu Yang taught Yoda how to build a lightsaber okay that is a cool character I don't care if you like him or not they're like that it's a that's a quantifiable piece of knowledge that says he is a cool character and you can't argue with that it's no different than when we found out that Jar Jar Binks is the one who's responsible for the Empire. It's like, that automatically gives that character more credibility. Everything he did in Episode 1, you can just throw out the window because he's the one who essentially formed the Empire. Right? So, it's there you go. Like, if anybody's having any trouble with that character and connecting with him, just think about that fact. He taught Yoda how to build a lightsaber. The greatest Jedi we know. (laughs) Second to Obi-Wan Kenobi, of course. But, uh... Anyways, let's continue wow. with the episode. <clears throat> okay. There's another tangent for you guys. Uh, I, yeah, I'm gone for a week, and uh, who, who knew I had so much to say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, General Kenobi decides that Commander Cody will head to the Crucible's coordinates, dangerously close to Florum, the pirate's homeworld, where he will help the younglings and rescue Ahsoka. But a surprise attack from the Separatist army puts these plans on hold. <clears throat> An epic surprise attack. Uh, oh, yeah, I didn't see some, that come either. Yeah, wicked, yeah. wicked space battle. Oh, right, yeah. Go ahead. We'll get there, yeah. Meanwhile, the Jedi younglings carry on with their <laughs> rite of passage begun in the gathering, building their own lightsabers. They use the Force to gracefully combine their newly found crystals with the parts given them by Hiang to create their first Jedi weapons. Katuni, however, finds that her laser sword will not power on, causing her to sheepishly say i'll finish mine when i'm ready and i thought this was a cool scene mike showing the younglings using the force to assemble their lightsabers you know we don't see much of this obviously in the star wars universe yeah um but these younglings they seem to be obviously they're very gifted uh in the force already you know they're young and to manipulate all these these pieces of the lightsaber i mean you know there's tiny pieces there's spinning pieces with the handle and they're they're using this and i thought that was wow this is this is some pretty pretty good uh you know, force ability at this yeah. age to, yeah. to to manipulate all this. I mean, we saw Luke, you know, have trouble with standing on one arm and le- levitating a rock when he's <laughs> you know nineteen, yeah. twenty, whatever hell you know he was. You know, obviously a different thing going on there with seeing you know his friends hurt and all that. But still, it kind of shows that these younglings are powerful. So I thought that was kind of a cool scene on on yeah. them putting their things together. Well, you can kind of get Yoda's frustration with Luke when yeah. he's trying to instruct him and he's like I am used to working with young minds that don't have all of these preconceived notions I hey, Yoda's got the line in episode 2 
I truly wonder if wonderful the mind of a child, right? And it's that that ability to see what's right there in front of you and to take things for granted, right? Like to just take things at face value without the cynicism, without your preconceived notions. So uh, yeah, I, I, it's 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 interesting to see Padawans, to see younglings in their element and and to see sort of like the cream of the crop doing their thing uh this the the whole thing with the levitating the pieces and putting it together they kind of cribbed from uh the force unleashed uh because i Mm. think that's the first time that we ever saw that we see we see uh star killer uh assembling his lightsaber Uh, i can't remember if it's in the first one or the second one i think it's in the first one um and that's that's exactly what he does like he it's in pieces and uh, and and he sort of lifts it all up with the force and focuses, and it all just assembles right there in front of him. So uh, now we have continuity that says this is how Jedi do it. But I just have to note, I I Gunji's lightsaber is one of the coolest lightsaber designs ever. Oh yeah, that, yeah. the because it's really cool how you see it. Like I was watching it the first time for the first time, and you see all the pieces coming together. You've seen the other two lightsabers come together, and then you see his. You see all these pieces floating, and you're like, "I don't get it. I thought there was supposed to be wood in his lightsaber." All the pieces casing, like they they all they all join up together, and then the casing is this wooden casing that I. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it, it's so cool. It's just such a great. Uh, nod to 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 his heritage and and gives him that character and uh, and it's just it's it's cool to see something new right I uh, um, Petro's lightsaber looks a lot like Anakin's I uh, I uh, who else's did we see in that in that scene we see uh, is it Gennady's I think it's Gennady is the other the uh-huh. Rodian is the other one that's there right Petro, so we see Petro yeah yeah um. I, and you know, like they're they're all very reminiscent of lightsabers that we've seen uh, of the standard designs, but then you see, you see Gunji's, and it's this completely new thing. It's like the first time you saw uh, Count Dooku's lightsaber, and you're like, oh, lightsabers can be different. Like they can they can have <laughs> they can these bend, other elements. Yeah. yeah, and it's like one thing that it did for me while I was watching it. I was like, we've got episodes seven, eight, and nine coming. With a new Jedi Order and new people working on Star Wars, we're going to get new lightsaber designs. And I tell you, like, of all of the things that I've gotten excited about, that's one of the biggest. Like, that and 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 new starships has just got me, like, it's got my mind exploding uh, with, with all of the possibilities <laughs> yeah. of, of new Star Wars and all that sort of thing. So, uh, Bo, oh, yeah. okay, let's continue. Uh Despite Obi-Wan's warnings, Petro pushes for a rescue mission. Learning that the Crucible is damaged and leaking coolant, Petro makes a final decision. They will land on Florum, let the engines cool, and rescue Ahsoka. Uh, let's see. Held captive by Hondo and his greedy band of pirates, Ahsoka appears tired and strained. She implores Hondo that it's in his best interest to let her go. Uh, but Hondo only taunts her. It would be wise if you would let me go. 
No, it would be unprofitable if I would let you go. And why would I do something as short-sighted as that? If you don't let me go, you will wish you had been born a protocol droid. <laughs> Sometimes I do anyway. But you are really in no position to make threats, young lady. You look stressed. Are you thirsty? A drink, perhaps? Up, 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 up. Sorry, but I do not like to share. <laughs> so, Hano gives Ahsoka here a little lesson in profits and, and you know, what he's where he's coming from. And, uh, you know, Mike, I talked about this last week, and, and there was a great behind-the-scenes look at, uh, at Hondo, and the, the actor Jim Cummings was actually on the uh, behind-the-scenes uh, featurette on StarWars.com. And uh, it was funny, too, because, you know, they, they asked him, you know, what, what do you think? Do you think Hondo is a bad guy? Do you think he's a good guy? And, and all he says is yes. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's kind of funny. You know, he's, he, Hondo, he reminds me so much of, like, a Jack Sparrow-type character. You know, you, you love him, but there's a, there's a little part of badness to him that you're like, oh, man, but then he comes back. So uh, it's just, you know, that Cummings and, and the way he plays it, uh, I just... I just love this character, and, and who knows where it's going to go, but uh, if you haven't seen that behind-the-scenes thing, check it out. You know, he's, he's uh, really, you can tell he loves the character, and, mm. uh, and like I said, he just, he's bad and good. Some days he's good, sometimes he's bad. It depends on where the money is, so. Yeah, it's all, it's all a matter of what's more profitable. Uh, I, I, I love the character. I mean, I've, I yeah. think everybody knows that by now. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Uh, still dealing with the Separatist sneak attack, Obi-Wan and the clones are sustaining heavy damage and loss of life. As the droids prepare a boarding party for the Negotiator, Obi-Wan and Cody head to the main hangar to stop them. A determined, vicious General Grievous is there waiting, and Ig engages Kenobi in lightsaber combat while clone troopers and droids battle around them. And I also have to say, Mike, if you watch the, the TV version of this, um, you come back from a commercial, right? And uh, you you just you, you're right into the action right after the commercial, yeah. you know, and right into the space battle. And I'm telling you what, you talk about gorgeous, man. This is some yes. eye candy for me, Mike. It was you know you got the Y wings, the droid fighters, the hand hunters, you know, in the space battle. And and this is what I talked about. I've talked about this show before, Mike, about being cinematic, mm -hmm. right? And this is what I'm talking about when I say cinematic for me. You know, you got these these POVs, you know, these camera pans, these wide shots. Uh, this is what I'm talking about as far as being yeah. cinematic. You know, this is totally different from any cartoon you're going to see. Uh, and, and then we get General Grievous. He's finally back. You know, we haven't seen him in a while. So, and 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 it seems like he's back with a vengeance right now, Mike. You know, he's yeah. He's, this is the Grievous that that we all want, right? So. Man, just talk about eye-popping visuals. Grievous is back. I, I'm, you know, it's it's on now. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you, you you hit it on the head with the with talking about the the, the you've got Y wings, you've got uh, headhunters, you've got the the droid ships and a variety of droid ships. Um, that really, to me, is is what made this ring true as a Star Wars space mm -hmm. battle. Right. Is uh, <clears throat> like there was. In the first season, we kind of would have, you know, I, uh, geez, what, what, 
what starfighters were they even using? Were they using the V-19s? The I, think the, I think the Torrents, yeah. Yeah, um, and that would be it, right? That's all we would see. And then we might see a Jedi starfighter in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they introduced the Y-Wings, and so we'd see an episode with the Y-Wings, uh, or we'd see an episode with the V-19 Torrents. Um, but what they did here is they've gone, no, 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 we have a bunch of different ships. So you see, you know, you've got the... the uh, man, I wish I knew the classes for the uh, for the different uh, uh, cruisers and that sort of thing. But you've got the the different Republic uh, battleships. Uh, I th- I think the Negotiator is a Venator class. The Venator class is the one with the two the two bridges, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and you've got like, but that's the thing is that you've got that class. You had uh, another class of, of uh, the Star Destroyer, essentially, and uh, and then you had what, like the the smaller cruiser, the the more agile one that was just kind of like zipping in through and over stuff, and you were and it was like there's so much going on, like you, you you've got big battleships, you've got corvettes, you've got fighters, and just everything going all at once, and it just had this great. Uh, richness to the frame of like right of a of a space battle a real honest to goodness space battle in star wars um the one thing clone wars hasn't managed to do for me is tell a story about the the space battles and and it's one thing that uh that that i really think before they're done they need to do they need to do a three-part arc that just all takes place in in cockpits mm-hmm. you know like that is just i i an all-out offensive and the, the the reason why is because they're really hard to choreograph um the closest we've gotten is the uh cat and mouse right mm-hmm. uh with the with the the cloaking device um but that was what that was season two I uh, they, right. they they had they had all of like two ships to choose from, <laughs> so uh, yeah. it it just didn't have that feeling that we can get now where it's just there's so much going on and and the thing is is that they're they've got other models that they're not even using like they're picking and choosing what fighters they want to use at this point, um, they're right. picking to use uh, Y wings and to use headhunters and to use. Uh, droid starfighters and uh, and the um, those drone ones, the ones that we saw in the Andron arc, um, like they're choosing which ones they want to use. Uh, and uh, I mean, I would love to see the nine, the V nineteen torrents come back because that's one of my favorite designs from the Clone Wars. But uh, I don't think we will. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's probably done. But I'd like to see more more of this space battle stuff. I think we will because I think we saw some stuff in the trailers with. Uh, Mm-hmm. With the new Jedi starfighters, right? So, yeah, the way they can film this thing with the, like I said, the yeah. point of views and the and the wide shots, yeah, I think I think definitely that that would work uh, in in the show. Uh, but uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, where are we here? Back on Florum. I think we're back uh, yeah. on Florum. Yeah, back on Florum. The younglings have landed, and Ahsoka continues to try and reason with Hondo. She tells him the Republic will not pay a ransom, and the Separatists cannot be trusted. Hondo agrees and informs Ahsoka that he is holding her for a different party, an underworld businessman who will pay handsomely for a female Jedi, dead or alive. 
I like this because uh, what he's insinuating is not necessarily a children's show sort of thing to insinuate. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's insinuated, which means that, you know, a, a kid's going to hear that and they're going to assume that, that it's a, a bad guy who wants to kill Jedi. But, I, uh, you know, the, us adults, we don't need to... We don't need to go into detail, but I think we all know we what Hondo is talking about yeah. when he says that. And I thought it was a really interesting direction for them to take because I've made my points previously on this show. Ahsoka is a child. She mm-hmm. is a child. Right. I. She's still I, a teenager, right? Like 14, something like that now? She's, I think she's 15. 15, maybe? Yeah. As, as of right now. She'll be 16 as of the end of the Clone War. Mm-hmm. I... Although that that's that's up for grabs because I uh, I think initially the Clone Wars were referred to as a three year battle, but uh, I've heard recently that it's more like five years. So uh, I I don't know. I I, th- I think I heard that at C six. I I think it may have even come from George himself. Mm-hmm. But because uh, we we all know how he is with his uh, uh, revisionist history. Uh, yeah, the Clone Wars is three years long. Uh, except that we are doing a TV series now. We need yeah. more room. So now it's five years long. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, uh, it doesn't is. really make a difference. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, she, she, is a, she is a child. So what Hondo is implying here is all that much more. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. And, and, and she explains unsavory. to... Yeah, and yeah. she explains that uh, to Hondo that, you know, she's... She's worthless to the Republic, and you know the Republic's not going to pay a ransom yeah. for her. And yeah. you know, several just want to kill her. So yeah, that's. I just wonder what he's who he's talking about. You know, if there was somebody he's really trying to talk about, or if it's just like you said, just one of those. Uh, it's nobody inconsequential. He's just talking to talk. So uh, yeah. on the on the negotiator, Grievous continues his assault, but a Kenobi delivers a heavy blow and manages to steal away. Realizing the negotiator is lost, Obi-Wan orders his crew to abandon ship, but promises to leave Grievous a parting gift. Uh, uh, Scouting Florum for signs of the Weequay pirates, Biff spots a ship. But it's not Hondo and his motley crew, it's a traveling carnival. The young Jedi decide to approach the giant vessel, standing in front of it until it stops. They ask if the circus is on its way to the pirate stronghold, which is confirmed by the gregarious ringmaster, Prego. Petro, seeing an opportunity, claims that he and the younglings are actually acrobats and would welcome the opportunity to perform in Prego's carnival act. Using their Jedi abilities, the younglings perform some impressive stunts and are accepted into the circus. We are acrobats! Entertainers, we would love to join your act and travel with you to your next destination. Really? Uh, all of you wish to join my act, huh? Right. You would like to come with us when we go to entertain Hondo and his pirate horde? Very much so. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm sorry. The pirates are an unforgiving audience. I couldn't possibly... Hear. What a... How did you... Oh, my, my... Artist. True artist. Young man, how many of these tricks can you do? How many do you want? 
<laughs> Welcome to the show. Man, what do we got here? We got Talking Dugs, Mike. We got uh, World of Wonder. We got Carnivals. Is this Star Wars? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, this crazy, was huh? interesting. Yeah, yeah th- this had a, a, a um, Jabba's Palace yeah. feel uh-huh. feel to me. Um, I'll say at this point, I like the idea. I have no problem with the concept. I a lot of it just kept going on. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it felt a little bit played out by the end of the episode, and I got a little bit tired of all of the acrobatics and stuff because it wasn't that interesting. But I, um, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there. But the costumes are just—they mm. were awesome. Like the costumes were great. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, let's say. Uh, We'll continue. Yeah, here's yeah. Petro again. He's again taking the leadership role, thinking on his feet, and uh, coming coming up with a plan here. Uh, Grievous, now in control of the negotiator, heads for the bridge, where he's greeted by a hologram recording of Obi Wan. The Jedi general admits defeat, but also reveals the nature of his parting gift. The ship has been set to self destruct, and he is safely away on a, an escape pod. Grievous hastily makes his way to a shuttle and manages to escape the blast. But all other droids aboard are destroyed. And, you know, a lot of guys, Mike, or a lot of people were asking, you know, why did Obi-Wan, you know, do that hologram and give Grievous a chance to escape? Well, Grievous has to make it to episode three. But there's also a a part of people that, you know, that say, you know, Obi-Wan is not going to maybe take the easy way out, you know. Maybe he's going to uh, give Grievous a chance and, and face him. Uh, you know, mono mono type of thing. I don't know. Uh, what do you th- What do you think? Yeah, I, I I think there's there's two elements to that. The uh, the meta element is that yes, Grievous has to live. Um, right. The the in universe element, I would say that you're probably you're probably on the nose with uh, with with Obi Wan's mentality of I uh, mm. uh, he's he's uh, he's not gonna run away and let an exploding ship do do all the hard work. It's one thing to blow up a bunch of droids, but Grievous, it's dishonorable, right? Like, uh, at at the core of the Jedi ethos is is that samurai thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one thing to to kill someone in, in armed combat. It's another thing to trap them. That's the sort of thing that Grievous would do. And uh, and so, the, but Grievous wouldn't leave a warning. Grievous would just, just blow do the it. ship up, yeah. right? Um, but Obi Wan's better than that. So I don't know. That, that's all yeah. the justification that I need. I, I do agree that, like I said, the same thing out loud. I said, you know, he really could have just been done with Grievous if he would have just not yeah. left a message. But he's Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you can continue. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, on Florum, the circus performance for Hondo and his pirate horde is about to begin. Hondo, very relaxed, carelessly reveals that he is in possession of Ahsoka's lightsabers, which is noted by Katuni. Meanwhile, Prego personally introduces his newest performers, dubbed the Animal Instincts, to the pirate leader. The youngs appear all dressed in outlandish costumes that successfully disguise their identities from the pirates. But Ahsoka knows instantly who they are. They perform high-flying acrobatics and stunts, but then ask Hondo, then ask for Hondo's 
participation and you know what pirate horde mike does not like to be entertained i mean this is a yeah. this plan actually makes a lot of sense with with pirates and stuff I, I can see that but uh you were talking about the costumes too yeah so i i think petro is dressed as a rancor i i don't know who it is i, I don't remember who it is that's uh they're in a um a gundark costume mm-hmm and then I think Gunji is in a Narglatch costume. I think that's what that mask is supposed to be. Uh, uh, the other two are really clear. The Narglatch one maybe not as clear, but uh, I I don't know. I just thought I just thought like uh, looking at the picture they that they uh, they really kind of nailed it on on making those fun and entertaining, um, and and sort of adding that that little bit of. Uh, I don't know in universe reference material mm, right. that I enjoyed. So yeah, um, I'll do this one. The ruse works. Hondo Hondo's distracted and unaware while joining the carnival act, fails to notice when Katuni lifts the lightsabers from his person. And and you know, here's, here's a great thing too with with Hondo and how they did this here. Um, great lines from a drunk Hondo. Uh, obviously they're partying up. They're having a good time. Hondo's had a few many, uh, few too many, um, I don't know, not death sticks, but whatever the drink is of choice, <laughs> yeah. whatever the ale of choice is over there on, on Florham. Yeah, but, he's, been, uh, he's been drinking a little bit too much blue milk. <laughs> blue milk, as a, my next choice, yeah. And he has this line where he says, I mean, just stuff like this, he goes, I may not be as young as I once was, but I'm older. You know, it's just, and the way that he says it, and it's just, it yeah. works, you know. You, you get the feeling that he's having a good time. He's a little... You know, he's a little... He lets the guard down a little bit, you know, uh, being a little inebriated. So, uh, go ahead. Uh, Actually, no, let me do this one, and you did the last one, Mike. A failed stunt that sends Hondo flying through the air for a crash landing provides the distraction needed for the Jedi to make their move. Katuni uses the lightsabers to free Ahsoka from her shackles, and the Jedi begin their escape. Uh, realizing they'd been had, the pirates open fire on the younglings who ignite their lightsabers for battle for the first time. Prego quickly leaves the premises, fearing what Hondo will do to him. Able to hold off the pirate attack just long enough, the Jedi commandeer a speeder, which they use to get away. Returning to the recharged crucible, Petro acknowledges that the younglings disobeyed orders in rescuing Ahsoka, but the Padawan is reassuring. She's learned from her master about bending the rules. How do you feel? Better now. I could pretend to be angry, but you were all very brave. Thank you. Disobeyed orders. Well, I've learned from my master that sometimes doing the right thing means bending the rules. Genodi, come in, please. Get the ship ready. We need to take off. And I like this, Mike, because here's Ahsoka, and she's recognizing some of the uh, lessons that she's learned from Anakin. And, uh, you know, not going the straight and narrow like sometimes Obi-Wan will see it, or sometimes Obi-Wan will say it. Um, but, you know what, she's, she's taking that, that tangent sometimes, you know, like, like Anakin mm-hmm. does. And uh, kind of letting her maybe heart dictate things now and again than just like the straight and narrow with what the Jedi are supposed to do. Uh, I like that she's been in the rules a little bit and you know obviously 
she's with Anakin a lot, and he bends the rules all the time. But yeah. uh, you know, this is kind of cool. You know, it's it's showing these younglings that um, you get, you got to think outside the box once in a while, and uh, and she does that a lot now with with Anakin as her master. So, um, so we end up there. You know, we got a this this is the third part of this four part arc. What are you thinking, Mike? Uh, not bad. You know, this is one of those arcs that at first I was like, ah, I don't know if I was going to like it, but you know, it's it's pretty good. Um, probably nothing that I'm jumping up and down about, but uh, I'm interested to see how they finish this this uh, this up. What do you think? Yeah, I it, you know th- this felt like a little bit of a distraction episode where they kind of they they had to deal with some stuff to get us to whatever the next uh, next bit of story is. Um, I haven't seen a preview for the next episode, so I don't really know what it's about. Okay, but I. Uh, but yeah, I I I I enjoyed it. I it's definitely um, it started on a real high for me with the gathering, um, and then it's kind of it's gone a little bit downhill from there. But I I think they knew that they they knew that this episode was gonna that, that they didn't quite have enough to uh, to justify a full twenty two minutes, and that's why all of the the really awesome space battle stuff is in there. <laughs> Yeah. to balance it out right like yeah. that, that that seems like a really conscious choice to me um which i appreciate because because yeah if it were just the kids for uh, a third episode uh with not a lot of action uh it i probably would have been bored yeah my biggest thing is that i would have enjoyed this storyline so much more i would have enjoyed all of this if yoda was still with them Right. The fact that Yoda's in the first episode, and then he kind of just leaves. Like we don't even really know where he goes or what happens there. But if if it had been Yoda and Ahsoka working together, which it, which is a very interesting angle, um, we could have gotten some stuff that I've been wanting to that that I think everybody's been wanting to see, which is uh, uh, a moment between Yoda and and Ahsoka to talk about. Anakin, um, we could have seen uh, Yoda working with the younglings. There's a there's a, a book, um, uh, Labyrinth of Evil, mm-hmm. and yeah. in Labyrinth of yeah. Evil, Yoda has some Padawans with him, I think, and uh, some of the stuff that he does is very in line with his uh, Empire Strikes Back jokester. Uh, Mental, like that, like that persona that he has, that sort of, um, the little, that little trickster in him. And, uh, I, I would have liked to see that sort of thing. I would have liked to have seen him in the last episode helping to get rid of the, uh, the pirates. And then I would like to have seen him in this episode going along with all of this. Cause that would have been the thing that would have pushed all of this acrobatic stuff over the edge for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it would have made a little bit more sense if Yoda had instigated them to 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 be like, well, we'll, we'll just pretend that we're acrobats. It would have lent itself so much because Yoda is acrobatic, right? I mean, we've seen in episode two, he's all flipping and jumping all over the place. Right. So I think that that uh, that really could have uh, tightened up this story a little bit more. But uh, but you know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, the the last part of it here, the fourth part. You know, maybe if Yoda does come back, and I want to see Huyang come back as yeah. well, and see. Hopefully, that'll tie everything up. But yeah, I do like the stuff where they, you know, they break down and they're, and they're building their lightsabers and that kind of thing. That was 
that's kind of that Jedi stuff. I, I talked about it before. I love that Jedi stuff. So um, yeah. we'll see how we end up. Uh, we got a preview coming up here in a few minutes, but we got to get to uh, the mailbag Facebook post. So let's go yeah, there. Yeah, let's do it. Wait a minute. Play back the entire message. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? He is carrying a message from an Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. I saw part of the message. He w- I seem to have found it. All right. Today, in today's, uh, I guess, Facebook post, we'll go with that, is from a, a frequent poster. He's doing a lot of posting, so it's cool. Uh, Later Hosing Trooper. And he says, for quite some time at the beginning of the Clone Wars, Ahsoka Tano was looked upon as being an annoyance. Yet as the character has grown, as the series has progressed, so too has the fans' love of the character. At the start, there was worry that if she were to die in the show, it would alienate young, especially female, viewers. Now I believe more fans would be rather upset. How do you think fans would react if she dies, and how would you react? And, and he says here about the female viewers, and, and at first, yeah, maybe it was, but you know what? She has become... Uh, a fan favorite, not just the female fans, but everybody. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, this is what we're watching this Clone Wars for to see what happens to her and Rex, right? Yeah. You know, and now yeah. Darth Maul, of course, and he's back in it, and a few other characters. But um, she's been there from the start, and she's yeah. grown. We've kind of seen her growing up a little bit, you know, and and to see her get teaching from from Anakin, and to see her path going, sort of, sort of that same way. So, this is one of those. Um, you know, we talked about it earlier, Mike. We don't know what's going to happen with Episode Seven. We don't know what's going to happen with her, and that's what makes it so compelling. And I think if she dies, it would have a big impact. I think, um, you know, if it's done right, I think it'll be uh, it'll be fine. You know, and I think it's in the right hands. You know, with Dave Filoni. Yeah. So what, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think I posted on this, uh, and, and oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I'm kind. Of, I'm, I'm on board with you. Uh, it. I, I love Ahsoka. I think she's a great character. I, I love what they've done with her in the last couple of seasons, especially uh, the, during the Slaver arc. Uh, that that was some really great character development. Uh, the the um, uh, a friend in need from last season was a great character development for her, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, and then the Andron arc at the beginning of this season has been excellent and uh, and I think that we've all come to I uh, really enjoy her character on the show um, that said I mean they can kill her I, I, I don't I don't yeah I, I mean, mean I'll, I'll definitely uh, it, it'll be an emotional thing when they do it if they do it right the only thing that matters to me I don't matter I don't I don't care if she lives or if she dies I just care that whatever way they go that they tell a good story. And, exactly, uh, yeah. and and I have faith that that Dave Filoni has that all figured. And, and George, right? I mean, like it's it all comes down from him. They know where it's going. They know mm-hmm. what the plan is. Uh, it's just a matter of getting to that point. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, her, her fate, in my opinion, is still up in the air. I, I've said my piece of what I think uh, should happen. could happen or yeah. should happen yeah. with her. Um, yeah, I don't know. Having these younglings around also, uh, that 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 throws some options in there as well. Because now that we're becoming connected to these characters, uh, the idea that they all die in Episode 3 is a little bit to stomach. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, it's, it's always going to be that question. 
at the edge of everybody's mind, sort of always on the periphery whenever she's in an episode. You know, yeah. when when they did what they did with her at the end of the last episode, I I thought you know like wow they're they're taking a lot of risks with that character, and we can be scared, right? Like we can we can definitely be worried for Ahsoka. And what's going to happen to her. Not necessarily she's going to live or die, but what they're going to put her through. Because the more they put her through, the more emotionally racked we get with Ahsoka, Mm -hmm. the more we'll relate to Anakin when whatever happens, happens. Because I really firmly believe that Ahsoka is as much of the reason why he falls as Padme. Padme might be the the straw that broke the camel's back. Like that That dream might be the thing that that makes him give in that that makes him him well more give up than give in mm-hmm. but ahsoka might be the the thing that that breaks down his defenses that allows that to get in his head yeah right um if she dies or if she leaves or if she turns or if she turns away from the jedi in some way that attachment that he has is going to be that's good. That's going to be the thing I think that that pushes him in that direction. That leaves him open for for emotional turmoil with Padme. And then the second that he finds out that with Padme that that uh, that she's pregnant, he becomes worried, right? Like, and and that's how the fear gets in, and then the fear leads to all of the things that fear leads to that we all know. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I I think that whatever they do with her, that that will be the direction that they go. But that could mean a lot of different things. Yeah, I, I think it's it's obviously going to be one of the biggest things we were. You know, we thought Darth Maul was big, but I think this is going to rival um, seeing what happens to her. Either way, it's going to be huge. And yeah, this show has shown that they can do emotional stuff very well. So I, I think uh, I think we're going to be in for a treat once we finally find out. What happens to uh, Ahsoka Tano? So um, next week, Mike, we're going to finish it up next week. Next week is called A Necessary Bond. And uh, General Grievous launches an attack on Hondo's settlement on Florum. Ahsoka and the younglings aid Hondo in the fight. A little bit of spoiler there. Oh, no. And it looks like uh, Mike, this is this episode coming up is going to mm-hmm. call, kind of start off right where we left off. Here, it looks like they're under attack from Hondo's pirates. 
Um, but we're going to fix that continuity issue that's been plaguing us the last six episodes or so, Mike, <laughs> finally, with Florum and the attack on Florum with Grievous. So that'll all be fixed. But um, yeah, it looks like this whole story arc is coming to this big climax with General Grievous, Hondo, the kids, and who knows who else may show up. So we'll see, Mike. Cool. So that's I what's coming next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's going to do it for this week. That is it for this week. Uh, don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clonewarspodcast and on Twitter at twitter.com slash clonewars. And send all your comments, questions, and feedback to mail at clonewarspodcast.com. So that's, uh, that's everything. That's it for us this week. Thanks yes. for listening. And we'll see you guys next week on Frontlines the Clone Wars podcast. See you next week. Well, another close to another wonderful show. Obi-Wan Kenobi here saying thank you for listening to Frontlines the Clone Wars podcast. Brought to you, of course, by StarWarsDaily.com. The force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always.